0: Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. We still need a Savior. That is absolutely apparent, as we are the last Sunday before um, before Christmas, and uh, we are still in an empty auditorium doing a live stream. And uh, uh, but God is still on the throne, and we're thankful for everything that He uh, has done. Hey, just a couple things that I wanted to mention. Uh, Uh, We were supposed to have the bowlers here, uh, I think it was last week, and uh, we weren't able to, but just a note to us, as we're trying to be a light, and we're trying to be a link in in our community, and... um, Uh, we were able to give the bowlers a computer and a motor scooter, which helps them transport everything around on the farms and stuff. And so uh, that was like $2,000. And when you consider the fact that we also raised $5,000 for Samaritan House, uh, this Christmas, in the midst of all of our troubles, we were still able to give out $7,000 to people that needed them. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that. Thank you, everyone who has helped to give and support. Uh, was mentioned uh, by those who uh, monitor these things that, hey, these are the last couple of Sundays that you're able to give if those who are trying to catch up on on the tithes and, and offerings this week. This uh, uh, Thursday, is it? Thanks, is, uh, is Christmas Eve this Thursday. We have our special uh, pre-recorded. Uh, we're hoping to have everyone here, but we can't. Um, and so, hey, God is still on the throne, and we're gonna continue to... Um, to uh, celebrate Christmas, because we know that ultimately is about Jesus and His birth and how He came to make a difference in our lives. Now, uh, for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, and you're just kind of you just kind of caught us here uh, on the live stream every year at Christmas. As I begin my sermon series, I always have a segment of the service, or a segment of the uh, the message, which is called "People Are Crazy at Christmas." They do crazy things. There are crazy traditions. People go crazy. Sometimes they beat each other, go to jail because they have hit each other and beaten each other up with Christmas trees and stuff like that. Last week we talked about Christmas tree hair, but today, folks, we want to talk about. Christmas pets, and it's not bad. You know, I know that, that we always have those, and there's people who are very much pet lovers, and I do not want to offend any pet lovers here in, in any way. And I know that sometimes we like to dress our pets up in these, these cute Santa Claus and reindeer uh, situations, but sometimes it gets a little crazy when we want to do the portrait. You know, we kind of have a picture and a card that we want to send out, and, and because we love our pets so much, um, we uh, begin to have some, like, some pictures and some portraits that come like this, where people will take pictures, if we could show the next, uh, next slide, pictures with us and our dogs, and in this case, our Cabbage Patch. dogs. like, how can I take this guy seriously? Like, I, I'm not too sure I understand. And, and of course, when you get talking in, uh, about taking pictures with your pets, of course, you have to be, uh, uh, you know, matching. you got to have, you know, pajamas with the picture of the dog on the pajamas. Or for those of us this year, in the midst of a pandemic, you got to have matching uh, uh, face masks uh, uh, to help with the situation. And then the family gets involved. And, and sometimes this looks really good. And then sometimes you wonder, what were they thinking? and And cats folks cats don 't cats were never ever meant to don we now are gay apparel and um, and so sometimes it just gets dark now, if sir, if this is you ma 'am, if this is you, if you have made posters, if you go back to the last one, if we sir ma'am, if this is is you. I want you to turn off your computer right now, and I want you to come right to the church. We're going to pray for you somehow, some way through the window. I'm not too sure exactly how we're going to do it, and and so now, folks, now there's pictures where you have your husband and your wife, and the dog is in the background. Well, what is going wrong with people when you're taking pictures with your pet and your spouse is in the background? I don't know. That just kind of seems crazy. I thought it was so funny when I saw it, I kind of pictured my wife with a pet and me kind of stuck in the background. Hey, we're crazy. And um, it's kind of funny how how we are uh, this Christmas. Now, let's go on to the next slide because I know people are just going to be looking at that. and They're not going to be listening to what I'm saying. Um, people are crazy at Christmas, but this year we are particularly crazy at Christmas. And... Uh, and at this particular time, it's been a crazy year. But now, what happens is we get near Christmas, and that craziness turns to sadness. Uh, it it turns to discouragement when we consider that he's not going to be not going to be the same this year. And so, I want to say something that I believe God is wanting to speak to our hearts about um, this year at Christmas. I'm doing a I'm doing the three dimensions of Christmas that you need to understand when you're in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, these things are said every Christmas, but for some reason, they have significant meaning uh, at Christmas. Um, Last week we talked about the, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in, in Matthew chapter 1 where it says the virgin will give birth to a son. And you're going to call him, named, his, his name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us, the aspect of the presence of God. And So I wanted to share something this Sunday uh, that is also a very significant passage of Scripture. Many times we don't associate this passage with, With Christmas, but it very much has to do with it. It's found in Galatians, not normally a Christmas passage, uh, um, letter or epistle, Uh, but Paul is talking to the Galatian church, and this is the first epistle that Paul writes. And um, it says this in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive. The adoption of sons. Now, it's the fullness of time that I wanted to try and um, talk about a little bit. Because we kind of have issue many times with this thing called the fullness of time. God working in his perfect timing. Because basically God's calendar and God's timer many times does not link up. God doesn't synchronize his calendar with us sometimes. And this was certainly the case at that particular time, the very first Christmas. Now, if you, if you go back to that particular time, the, the amount of years between Malachi, who was the last Old Testament prophet, and John the Baptist was roughly 420 years. It's a long time. And it was the prophet Joel that had said, I believe in Joel chapter 8, he said, you know, there's going to be a famine, but the famine is not going to be of water, and it's not going to be of food, it's going to be of words. Of the Lord. And so there was a time where God was silent for about 420 years. And there's so much that happened in that time. There was a Maccabean War. There was the, the development of the Essenes and the Sadducees that we hear about in the Scripture. It was the time of Alexander the Great. And we get Alexandria, the town from there, and his dad, Philip. We get the town, Philip High from there. and 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 so... Uh, what had taken place was the Roman government had taken over. There was one world government at that time. There was Roman roads that were created so that the gospel could be, could be delivered. There was the diaspora, which the Jewish people were spread throughout the world so that the message of, gospel, a message of the gospel could go. There was one common language. All these things had taken place to prepare. And so when, when um, Paul talks to the Galatian church and he says, When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law they can kind of relate to what was talking about because when that rather was written, many people were alive when Jesus' ministry was effective on the earth. And not only that, when you stop and consider the incarnation, hey, it's Christmas, it's the incarnation, the Savior has come, we are finally going to be delivered. Well, yes, we are, but we gotta wait till this baby grows up to be a man. So you're telling me, you're telling me that this incarnation is coming, this, 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 this time when we have a Savior that is going to be delivered unto us, but I'm still going to have to wait another 30 years. What is with that? Have you ever had to wait? We don't do waiting well, do we? I don't, I don't do waiting well. During this season, we celebrate... A, an occurrence uh, up to Christmas, which is called Advent. And Advent talks about the anticipation coming up. And, and, And sometimes this whole aspect of time is a difficult thing, but many times we forget and fail to realize that patience is a very important gift that God gives us. We talk about 3D Christmas and the three dimensions of Christmas. And last week we talked about the gift of, of the presence of God, God with us. And not only did He live among us, but He lives within us and He is on our side. And, and all those wonderful things about the fact that no matter what you go through, the presence of God is with you. What a what a wonderful gift. And then Next week, we're going to be talking about not just the presence, the gift of the presence of God, but the gift of the purpose of God. That when Jesus came, there was a purpose. That, that, that there was a plan that ha- God had in place, and he has a plan, and he has a plan for you. I mean, what a wonderful gift is the fact that God has the plan. And, and then there's the third gift that we talk about today, and it's, it's the patience of God. That God has somehow allowed us to, to endure patience. And so we have this third gift, in, and so if I'm, if I'm the person receiving that third gift, patience, all of a sudden I begin to realize that this isn't a gift giving, this is a gift exchange. This really isn't for me, this is actually meant for the person who has the presence. So we go to the person who has the gift of the presence and we say, listen, God bless you, we're going to exchange this gift, and the person who has the presence says, oh, I'm, no, "I'm I'm so glad for the presence of God. I don't want to give this gift up. You can keep your gift. And so what we do is we think a little bit longer and we go, well, obviously the the, the purpose guy is going to exchange his gift with me. And the guy who has the gift of the purpose of God says, man, I have waited so long to realize that God has a plan in my life. and, And this is a wonderful thing. And Thanks for your offer for this gift of patience, but I think I'm going to keep my gift of the purpose of God. And and so all of a sudden, the person who has the gift of patience is like, "Really? This is a gift? The gift of uh, the gift of patience? You mean you mean this is something that I have to take where I have to endure terrible things over a long period of time, and you're trying to tell me that this is a gift? No, thanks, God." What happens is we begin to take a look at that gift and we say, no, this isn't something that I want. God, I want something that is actually going to give me something that will make me feel good immediately. Patience. The Old Testament, or the, the, the King James Version, sorry, doesn't always call it patience. It calls it a word which is a little bit different, it sounds a little different. We call it long suffering. Ew, long suffering? That doesn't sound too good. I like the word patience a little bit. It makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Well, let's take a look at what the original word is. The word for patience in the Old Testament, the prominent word for patience, was a word which was called macrothumia. Macro meaning long. Thumia meaning passionate or hot our passions are long or to the ability to get angry we get that word thermometer with uh, with thumia and so you put them together it's a compound word which says it takes a long time to get angry now there's other words you know waiting waiting upon the lord and the other one is steadfastness you need to be steadfastness which basically means we need to be faithful while we wait on uh, the Lord. But either way, it is an important gift. And, and the issue with, with this thing called patience is such that if you don't have this gift of patience, then there are things in your development that will be delayed. And there's wonderful things that God has for us, wonderful gifts that God has for us that only comes as we are given this gift of patience, this gift of Long suffering, and I don't know about you, but when I go through those long stresses and those long times that sometimes I get discouraged and sometimes I just have doubts and sometimes there seems like there's this huge distance between God and ourselves and I'm not too sure what to do. But stop and consider that some of the most valuable jewels that we have today are ones that happen because of intense pressure and pain over a long period of time like you take a, a lump of coal and if you put an incredible amount of pressure on that coal over a long period of time it becomes a diamond or you have a you have a pearl which which uh, all of a sudden some dirt gets in the oyster and it gets upset and it just begins to coat it and pressure it over time. And and what ends up taking place is is you get this beautiful pearl, you get these wonderful things that come as a result of all this pressure over a long period of time. It is pain over the long haul. Now, I remember when I was a uh, a teenager. It was very many years ago, but uh, bear with me here as I remember all those years past. And um, for those of you who have teenagers, it will get better. You know, the brain damage eventually goes away, and, uh, and some of the dumb things happen less and less to your children. Bear with you. and I remember as as a teenager, with all these this testosterone which was pumping inside of me, and I just remember one time... I had this great idea with my friends, and, and what happened was i'd had weights because you know as as a, a teenager you want to start lifting weights because you want to kind of look good for the, for those people that you want to appeal to and, and so I had this 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 um, this barbell and it had weights on it and, and this is what we used to do. We used to lie down and we would hold the barbell there, but we would lean it back as far as we possibly could over our heads, but we would be lying down so that So that the fullness of gravity would be kind of pulling on us and we would want to keep the barbell there that would be about two inches from the ground. So we would be pulled back and we would hold ourselves. And the idea was, is to endure as much pain as we possibly could until we finally let go. And the person who held on to the longest won. What they won was absolutely nothing. Other than the bragging rice that said that you can endure longer than the other person. And, you know, we probably should have thought of, of a better way of doing it because it really didn't develop any kind of muscle. What kind of muscle do you develop when you're just kind of holding back like that? You know, maybe your maybe underarm muscles. There's never ever been one time where I said, hey, check out that guy. Check out the underarms on him. Are they ever defined? Does nothing. So that basically is what patience or long suffering is all about. The ability to endure pain many times for what seems like no apparent reason. Pain plus endurance equals long-suffering. It is the gift under the tree that you don't really want. Patience is that vegetable that you have on your Christmas plate with the stuffing and the potatoes and the turkey And you have it on that plate because you know that it's good for you, but you never go back for seconds, is it? So what is the meaning of it? Why is this so important? Why is the Holy Spirit putting us through this particular time? Why are we being called to endure during this time? Because there is a development that happens in us that will only happen as we sit and we wait and we trust in God. And there are three things, if I could leave with you um, this morning or whenever you are listening to this this, um, message, three things that I wanted to leave with you that I think are absolutely apparent for us to understand as we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're trying to serve God with all of our hearts. Um, The first one is this, that the gift of patience brings what I will call perspective. When I go through difficult times, over a long period of time, After a while, my viewpoint will change, that I will see life in a different way, that I will see God in a different way, that I will see myself in a different way. And at Christmas, we can see the process of patience, but sometimes it was hard for them as they were going through the, the incarnation to exactly see what the perspective is. And, and sometimes we just don't understand, and sometimes we don't go, know what's going on until all of a sudden afterwards we are able to see things from a different perspective. Um, I don't know, and perhaps this will, um, perhaps this will um, resonate with you, um, a number of years ago, I was going to a pastor's conference, and it was in Atlanta, Georgia, and then we left from the airport, and what we had to do is, a lot of times with these flights, you're not able to, um, to go one straight flight. You have to have what is called a commuter flight or an attaching flight, which, which, uh, which you catch. And, and I realized that the flight that I had going out from Chicago O'Hara Airport was like ten minutes or fifteen minutes from the flight that i 'd had uh, taken to get into Chicago now, for those of you who don 't know about Chicago Airport, it is hectic. it is a little bit different than Winnipeg airport it 's a little bit bigger, a lot bigger, and sometimes it takes up to a half an hour to get from one from one uh, uh, place to, to another to to get onto another to another plane and and so what happens is we finally, without any kind of problems, get ourselves to Chicago. But the kindness of the pilot was such that he wanted to give us an aerial tour of Chicago. And he kind of flew around Chicago. And in case we missed the view of Chicago the first time, we flew around Chicago the second time. And, and if in case we missed something those first two times, we end up circling around Chicago for the third, the third time. And, and all of a sudden we discover we are what is called in aerial terms we're in a holding pattern and when you are in a holding pattern and you need to get a commuter flight what happens what takes place is you realize oh no well, what's going to go on I have another flight I'm going to miss the flight I don't know am I going to have to wait another day in order to go to the other flight this is terrible this is terrible can you please I want to talk to the pilot can you please talk to the pilot for me and tell me that I've got a flight in 15 minutes that's going, going to come to the next one? And so we panicked in the whole thing. And But here's the thing. There was someone on the ground who realized that there were other flights that were mixed up, that there was a problem that was that was at the airport runway, and that if we would have landed at the time that we were supposed to land, we probably would have died. And see, sometimes... We don't understand the perspective when we go through a difficult time. But patience is one of those times where God causes us to change the way we um, view things. And sometimes it's a, a time or it's a matter when when God will change not so much the view of himself, but he will change the view of me that sometimes I will look a little bit different at things and, and um, sometimes... It will change the way I view other people as I go through suffering that I begin to look at people who suffer in the same way with the same things. Sometimes long-suffering or patience has a way of knocking me down a few pegs so that I'm not looking at like this person way up top, but perhaps looking at things a little bit different. And patience will sometimes cause me to hold on to God a little bit tighter. That I will become more of a consoler for those who go through the, the the same things that I go through. And and many times there's a connection that comes as a result of patience and and, and I'm able to relate to other people. And not only that, um, people are able to relate to me because let's face it, we don't we don't um relate well to perfect people. You ever meet these perfect people? There's a part of us that kind of hates them a little bit, really, if you think about it. If we are actually to be honest, you know, oh, we had a wonderful... Oh, do you see the newborn baby? Absolutely, completely healthy. We had no problem. I think I had... Um uh, oh, I think it was 11 minutes of labor and, and, and everything was fine. I didn't, I didn't feel any pain whatsoever with this baby and, and he is so beautiful she is so beautiful and we're just so thankful to God for her. As a matter of fact, we thought we had more time and my, my husband was was uh, was went to the corner store while we while we were there and, and he never ever buys a lottery ticket or anything but for some reason he felt like urged to buy a lottery ticket and that lottery ticket came through and now we have 50 million dollars and this wonderful beautiful child and, and everything looks great and I'm just so thankful that God is as faithful as He is and we're saying, hey, you, come on! Do we relate to a person like that or, or do we relate to the person who says, you know what? My life is a mess. I'm still serving God in the midst of the mess. I realize that there are things that are going on and sometimes I don't make the right choices, but many times the ultimate thing that I want to do is serve And We will relate to a person like that because that is a person um, that we are most like. Hopefully, I will learn all the lessons that I have to, as I go through times of difficulty. Sometimes we don't. I always try to fail forward. I always try to um, understand the lesson that happens when perhaps I'm not able to pay the bills or or perhaps the... the uh, the report from the doctor that comes back is not a positive one, like i 'd hope and, and and when my kids aren 't really serving the Lord the way i 'm kind of hoping that they do i 'm hoping that in this these times that God is going to somehow teach me and and direct me and, and in those in in those times when my marriage may be just upon the the just hanging by a thread that there will be something that we will learn that there will be a perspective that that comes. Our way, because let's face it, folks. I will pray and desire that everything goes well for me, and I will pray and desire that everything goes well for you. But we all know something which is of absolutely truth, and it is this: prosperity is a terrible teacher. The questions is, and the things that we learn the most usually are the times when we have to wait, and we all enjoy the destination. Very rarely do we enjoy the journey in situations like this. The gift of patience brings perspective. But the gift of patience also brings a thing which I will call perception. Perception is a different thing than perspective. Perspective is to see things from a different viewpoint. Perception is to see things from a different dimension. And there are times when we go through difficulty, long difficult times where we are able to see God in a clearer way, but you will only see God in that way when God puts you through that incubator. And you go through those difficult times. If you take a look at the Christmas story and understand that Joseph and Mary knew what was going on, these shepherds going on, because they had some type of a div- divine miracle which had taken place. But there are two individuals in Scripture, of all the world, in, in the whole story of the Incarnation, There were two people who figured out what was going on. Both of them were elderly individuals. One was a a lady, a widow, whose name was Anna. The other one was a person whose name was Simeon. And if you take a look at their lives, what was it that caused them to catch on to what was taking place when nobody else knew what was happening? Well, they were devout people, it says. They spent a whole lot of time at the temple. They spent time in fasting, and they spent time in prayer and uh And they were devoted to God over a long period of time. And as a result, God was able to reveal to them what was actually going on. That there was a perception that they had 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 which said, wow, this is incredible. You know, prophecy and prophetic things are absolutely wonderful. And I've been in ministry, I think it is 32 years And in those 32 years in a Pentecostal environment, I have seen the prophetic work in an absolutely spectacular work, which is awe-inspiring. And there have been times where I have seen prophetic operate in a way that has caused me to think twice. And I've come to realize over the years that there are kind of two types of prophecy. There is what I will call slow cooker prophecy— and there was microwave prophecy. And many times when prophecy is birthed from an individual has, who has a prophetic gift and they're spending time in the word, because if you're going to give a word, you better be bathing yourself in the word of God and 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 ex- long periods of time where they're fasting and they're praying and they're on their face before God and when there's a a word that has to be made for a moment and you hear what they have to say you say wow that is something but what happens is people will take a look at what has to be done what has to be put in place the time of prayer and the time of fasting and the time on our knees and and we say I don't know if I want to pay that price but what happens is you have a gift but you don't want to make the sacrifice and what happens is you have this microwave this microwave form of prophecy which is which is good because the gift is there but you haven't paid the price to see what really takes place and, and it's an important thing to understand all I know is this that the times that I have gone through extreme patience times of long suffering they have been amongst the closest times that I've been with Jesus. They have been amongst the times where I have had a perception of what God is doing and what He's trying to do in my life. And not only that, around the people who are uh, around us. And as we look at our times and we, we try and understand what's going on, I take a look at a number of authors and a number of really good people who are trying to do the best that they can to inform us as to the best way to run church or the best way to run our lives and and to the best direction that they could give us as we we come out of this pandemic and say, hey, here's what some successful churches are doing and, and here's some things that you need to consider because this is what's happening in society and here are some of the things and the trends that we need to take a look at. But ultimately, if God is wanting to do something as as we prepare ourselves. I want to be as close to Jesus as I possibly can be. I want to be seeking his face. I want to be seeking his kingdom because ultimately I don't want to hear from someone else what God wants me to do or what he's leading me to do. The gift of patience comes with a thing which is called perception. The question we ask ourselves is this. When we go through this time, are we going to mope? Or are we going to set our antennas to say, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to say? What is it that you're trying to do through me? That's the second thing. Here's the third one. And this one probably won't be one that you don't really, uh, aren't really surprised about. It's the fact that the gift of the patient um, comes with a thing which we'll call preparation. Um, perspective, perception, Preparation. And this is the truth. This is the truest thing that you'll hear that nothing will develop your character as fast as those times when you have to sit and endure with God. The times you become more like Jesus are those times where you say, okay, God, I'm going to accept what I'm going through and I'm going to look through uh, your lens rather than my own. And nothing sands off the rough edges, edges of my life more than those times of patience and endurance. Um, and it's no surprise when, when Paul talks in the Galatians about the nine fruit of the Spirit that patience, macrothumia, is on that list. It's that important. I've heard it explained this way, and I believe this with all of my heart. That God in his love and his grace and his generosity wants to give us a huge blessing. And that blessing is so good and so all-encompassing that we have to have the character infrastructure to support it. That God wants to give us a blessing, and this blessing is so good that somehow, in order for this blessing to ma- be maintained in our lives, he needs to work on our character to the point where we are able to sustain that blessing. And that's an important thing to, to understand as we, we go through this time. It's James. As he begins his book, the book of James, the, one of the last books in the, in, in the New Testament, when he starts off the book, he says this. Folks, let patience have her perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The process of perfection, the pro- process of, of, of being prepared, the process of being mature in your faith all starts with this thing called patience. And, and James starts off with it. But he also kind of ends with it. Because if you look at the, chap- the last chapter of the book of James, He uses an analogy, and he says, hey, folks, you're going to have to be patient. And he uses the analogy of a farmer. He says, you know what? The farmer has to be patient until he kind of sees the spring rains and the fall rains, and he has to kind of hang on to God and depend on him. And, And for those of you who are in the farming industry, you will understand this. A farmer will not go into a community and sow or into his farm and sow a bunch of, of, of seed and then sit there and before he goes to bed he says, I pray in Jesus' name that when I get up tomorrow there will be corn. God, I pray for corn. And what happens is we wake up and there's no corn there. Well, God, you haven't been listening to me. I'm praying for corn. God, God, I pray for corn so the next day they pray and they don't get up and there's no corn. That's not the way it works. What happens is we need to we need to be patient. We need to trust in him before the harvest comes through. But he adds something in, in James chapter 5. He goes on and he says, therefore, don't complain. You can't be complaining. And I believe that James says this for a reason. Because patience... Is the thing that will cultivate the soil of our heart. It will be the thing that will turn things up. It'll cause the oxygen to get in, so that the, the fertile will be it will be uh, the soil will be fertile in our lives. But complaining. Complaining is that thing that will harden our hearts. And so what happens is, as God is cultivating our hearts, we are hardening our hearts. And, and what happens is the full effect, the, the thing that God wants to do doesn't take place. And if you take a look throughout scriptures, that the times when the attitude of the people were wrong, times when the, when the, when the people were complaining, the longer the trial went. Take a look at them in... in in the, uh, in the desert for 40 years and, and the fact that because they were complaining, it was just maintained and, and, and went on and on and, and the thing is, I get so tired of waiting that I begin to complain. I say, oh God, what's going on? What's with this pandemic? I really, do I really know what's going on here? Don't I have my rights somehow? And We begin to shake our fists and we say, God, what's going on? But God is doing something. We have to have that time where we need to allow God to move. I don't know what this pandemic will bring. All I know that Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you wants to complete it. Hey, in, in the next six months, as we come through this time, and hopefully it's hopefully we get back to a level of normal in in the next six months and the fact that there is a, a vaccine and the fact that there is some hope that this is going to clear up is is encouraging to us But i don't know what church is going to look like i don't know how all this is going to take place and it may be that that through this time god has done a shaking up and and tried to determine who the people are who are really serving him and those who are not and and I don't know how that's going to look in terms of church attendance and church involvement and stuff like that. Or what may happen is that God may work in a miraculous way and the Spirit of God will begin to convict hearts. And people will say, you know what, I need God. And our numbers may flourish. Either way, we need to be prepared. God needs to be working on our hearts now. And so there's an opportunity for God to move now in our hearts. There is... Um, There is a uh, a pastor that uh, I was listening to on Right Now Media. His name is Paul, uh, Brian Lauret, and uh, he had a creative way where he talked about, about patience. He said, my uh, mom was into cross-stitching, and um, I'm not too sure all that's involved in cross-stitching. I'm not going to speak to you like I'm a professional cross-stitcher, because I'm not. But I do know something about it. It's kind of the interweaving and stitching in on a cloth, uh, different types of yarn to the point where it kind of makes this this wonderful tapestry. And um, he said, my mom used to do it for hours. She would just sit there on the couch and she would do it. And and me being a small child, I would watch her do it. But when I was there, I was kind of sitting on the floor or I was underneath her as she was doing it. And all I could see was the the crotch... The, the cross-stitching being done from the, the bottom up. And when you look at cross-stitching from the bottom up, all you see is a bunch of dangling threads. All you see is this, this mayhem and, and, and this mess. And it doesn't make any kind of sense at all. And, and, and as he's explaining this, he says, Sometimes I wonder whether my, whether my mother's cheese had fallen off her cracker. This is, just seems like it was crazy. And she says, Mom, why are you spending all this time with this thing? It looks so messy. And she says, well, hold on a second. Come on and take a look from another angle. And it is when he was able to take a look at the cross-stitching as it's becoming developed and he sees this beautiful sin- scene which is being embroidered onto this cloth that he begins to understand that as thing start out it doesn't look too good. As a matter of fact, from his vantage point it looks absolutely terrible. It looks like a mess. It looks like pandemonium but um, God is doing something and you might be here and you might be going through amongst the most difficult time in your life and you're saying, God, I'm going through the most difficult time in my life and for some reason you don't seem to be here. God, uh, um, I'm wanting to get something for my kids this year but for some reason it just hasn't worked out with the loss of my job or being on layoff or, or uh, the health that I'm dealing with right now. Um But my prayer is that God will complete his perfect will in you, It says in Ephesians chapter two verse ten, we are his um workmanship, and that word workmanship in the Greek is uh poium. It's where we get the word poem. God is developing he's doing something he's in the process, you were in the first stanza of a of a large poem and uh, And he has a purpose for you. We're going to be talking about that next week. But in all my years, and I have not learned all the lessons that are needing to be learned, and I am still a work in progress, but here's the one thing that I uh, have learned. The only thing that is worse than waiting on the Lord is wishing that I had. So God, I just pray that you will move. This wonderful gift of patience does not seem like a gift may seem to be maybe the worst thing that I'm going through right now, but Lord, you're developing in me a character and you're developing in me something. And and Lord, as a church, we are maybe for one of the first times in our history going through a time, a stretch, where you're calling on us to wait. You're calling on us to wait together. And the frustration that we are feeling, we are feeling together. And the angst and the discouragement that we are feeling, we are feeling together together. But in that process, God, I believe that you're trying to say something. I believe that you're trying to do something. And I pray, Father, that patience will have her perfect work in all of our lives. I pray over each and every individual, those people who might be suffering at this time. I pray for the touch of the Holy Spirit, Father, to rule in their hearts and their lives. I pray, God, you do something real and you do something significant in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We are here uh, in the middle of the week this week for anyone who needs prayer of any kind. We're going to trust that God will give you a Merry Christmas and hopefully we will see you or at least we'll see you virtually on Christmas Eve. God bless. Raquel, Pastor Glenn. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.